Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's your boy, Dangerous Duke. And your boy, Stevie Jobber. Welcome back to the Dangerous Jobbers podcast, putting wrestling over one podcast at a time. Man, oh man, do we got some news to get into, but before we dive into this news, you know how we start this off all the time. Stevie Jobber, who's the wrestler of the pod over here? Right, the wrestler of the pod this week is an up-and-comer. Uh, no official accolades, but he's been seen in about three different promotions. His name is Rocket, mm-hmm. also known as the Menace from Mars. He's out of this world. Uh, Rocket is wrestled for ACPW, TCW, and H2O, where uh, Shane Douglas and Danny Havoc have also wrestled. Okay. Um, he's a new guy. He's making his name out there. Uh, he's high flying. He's hardcore. Just last night, there was a, a show where he was getting hit and receiving, uh, giving receipts for light tube spots. I saw him do a, a moon stomp uh, to a guy holding a light tube. Very hardcore. Uh, so he's a he's a he's a good mix. Uh, good Jeff Hardy mix. He has a lot of like uh, face paint spots and just uh, he's just got some cool moves to him, man. And uh, he's a friend of a friend. So hopefully now he'll be a friend of the pod. Uh, wrestler of the pod again. His name is Rocket. Uh, go follow him on Instagram under Gravity Shift. Okay. Okay. All right. And before we get into everything, man, before we get into the, the indie news, uh, if you're a first-time listener, second time, if you're a new listener that haven't followed us yet, man, go follow us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we also have a website, the Dangerous Jobbers website. Um, so go follow us on all social media, anywhere you're listening to this. If this is Google Pods, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, uh, turn on notifications. Uh if you like it, if you like the pod, if you've liked other pods, if you've heard about this from a friend, uh, you know, welcome. Yeah. All right, man. But let's get into it. Uh, the first thing, which I guess is the is the smallest but biggest news, um, GCW at their next event is having a GCW championship match where the GCW champion, John Moxley, will make his wrestling return against uh, none other than LAX's Homicide from one of my favorite uh, my favorite versions of LAX with Homicide and Hernandez. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is it interesting that Moxley's first return is in GCW instead of AEW? For me, not really. I mean, you know, he's he's their world champ currently. So I would say that GCW would have probably been the better spot for him because he's getting his he's it's not like he's getting his feet wet. He's getting thrown right back into the fire with GCW. Mm-hmm. And, and Homicide is not a slouch by any stretch of the word. Not at all. So, so they're going to have a barn burner definitely when they uh, when they put this world title on the line. And if anybody knows Moxley. You know that man is an innovator of violence of sorts. So GCW, homicide, world title, it just makes the most logical sense in my book to put him back in GCW 
before you pop him back on AEW TV. Yeah, and he's not coming halfway either. So yeah, uh, yeah, he's he, gonna get everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Moxley doesn't half-ass anything uh, unless he's scripted to. Yeah, not not at all. I mean, that dude's gonna literally go straight from the frying pan into the fire and. You're going to see real quick if he missed a beat or if he's not missing a beat. And that's the best spot for him at the moment just to get back in and get in the groove of things. Um, and after that, most of the news from me is coming from Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some interesting things that happened last night for me. Uh, not Well, last week rather than last night. Um, but I heard about this from Duke. I actually didn't catch this one. Tommy Dreamer um, actually offered Regal a position to Impact Wrestling. Yeah. So basically, if you guys missed the last episode, uh, our last special edition, what we talked about was the releases that happened uh, since the start of the new year began. And, you know, you've had the likes of Samoa Joe, Timothy Thatcher, Road Dog. One of the people that got released was William Regal. And we both scratched our heads and mm. called this a, a conundrum. Um, well, people aren't wasting any time offering a young Regal a spot because Tommy Dreamer was just quoted on his podcast, um, the Busted Open podcast, if you don't know. He said that he's been texting William Regal and he told him, hey, look, when your time is up, if you want a job, uh, I'd love to have you in Impact either backstage in a talent role or as an on-screen authority figure, whichever you prefer. And that speaks volumes in the sense of, one, the dude just got released and he's already getting offers from people. I mean, obviously he can't accept anything, but he can still feel them out and mm-hmm. get a sense of, you know, who would like his services and who wouldn't. And it also speaks volumes in the sense of you're offering him whatever role he prefers, whether it be backstage or on screen. Yeah, I like it. I'm glad he's getting um, these opportunities, even though I'm really not surprised. You know, it, it, it is somebody who's um, a blessing to this business and um, has a lot of experience in all different kinds of fields. So um, not surprised that he's getting offers already but it is it is uh it warms the heart to see i'll say that yeah it's it's very telling especially when you know it's it's literally just you're being offered whatever position you want usually it's just this is the position we have for you or this is the position we need filled exactly et cetera et cetera you're literally offering this man whatever position he wants mm-hmm. um i think Coming off the topic of returns, there's an interesting return I want to get into. Um, While cutting a promo about everything he's done, uh, addressing Moose, former Impact World Champion Josh Alexander, the walking weapon, was confronted by a very interesting return uh, that being the return of one Charlie Haas. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, very surprising to me. I went and watched it back. Um, I have some comments, but let's talk about just the fact that 
Charlie Haas has made his return to the majors, which is now yeah. what I'm calling the Indies. There are certain parts, promotions in the Indies of the majors. I agree. But the Charlie Haas thing, that's at, that that kind of warm like that warms my heart in a sense because Charlie Haas is somebody who we grew up watching with uh the world's greatest tag team and whatnot. Uh he also, you know, as the times went on, he fell on hard times. He had a drug addiction, things things of that nature. And he kind of had to step away from the business for a while. And to see him come back. And a minor and a very indie promotion. I forget the exact name of the promotion he was with, but to see him come back in an indie promotion, become their world champion, mm-hmm. and and still be able to make it to these other promotions like Impact and pop up, that's a pretty damn cool sight to see. You to, to see somebody actually go through them hard times, come back, rebuild themselves, get clean, get healthy, and still perform as at a level that they once were, maybe even a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's just awesome to see. That that That's some of the good news that we need in the wrestling business nowadays. Absolutely, man. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. Um, I'm happy he's made it back here. He did look a little promo rusty. Um, but, you know, less judgment. I'm just hoping if you're going in the ring with Josh Alexander, that he can still um, go to the level that we remember. Um, yeah. I was going to say, and that's kind of to be expected too, the, with the promo rust, because we, Charlie Haas was never really known as a promo guy. Like mm-hmm. we, we never really let him talk as much as, you know, show or Kurt or anybody else. He was more of just the, the strong silent type. Mm-hmm. So I mean the, the the promo rust doesn't really surprise me. I mean I at this point with him it it I don't want to say it's almost expected, but you know his promo skills aren't up to par with other people from his era or now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean I just I just hope once they do it in the ring, it's going to be uh, a spectacle. And I, I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna drag it out or if it's gonna be a one off or if he's officially signed there. They didn't really clarify in the promo. It was just kind of a an, an open invitation. Um, yeah. But I, I do think it'll it'll be interesting to see. And I don't think they would have brought him in if they felt like he couldn't do the job. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with Impact having the the open door policy that they have the revolving door with any and every promotion under the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but following that return, there was also the biggest thing on the show this week. It was the title change. There was a champion versus champion uh, match with Roxy, uh, Ring of Honor's women's world champion against Deanna Perrazzo, who is not the Impact Women's Champion anymore, but still uh, the Reina Del Reyes Champion, I believe it's said. Um, mm-hmm. So they went head-to-head in a champion versus champion match for their respective titles. 
And once again, Deanna Perrazzo is a double champ. She beat Roxy clean to obtain the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. This is interesting. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't see a lot of title changes happening. I mean, there's only two titles people are carrying around. One being the ROH title and the ROH women's title. So, I, I, but I didn't expect any title changes until ROH came back. So this is this is a little interesting um, and kind of telling because we don't know what's going to happen with Deanna after this. Mm-hmm. Um, she's failed to regain her title from Mickey James, and Roxy has recently signed with MLW. So yeah. this is kind of a transition for her, um, losing the ROH Women's title and then kind of doing this one-off on Impact to go to MLW. Um, do you think Diana is going to stay in Impact? Mm-hmm. Do you think she's going to kind of go in between promotions? What do, what do you think? If I'm a betting man, I'm going to say she's going to be she's going to be dabbling in both. Just because, you know, you, you see people that are going to be dabbling. You, you currently see people dabbling in both for Impact, uh, whether it be Mickey James or people from AEW bouncing between AEW and Impact. It's not really – they had to find a way to get it off of Roxy in a, in a way that made sense. And I feel like this makes sense because Deanna's good enough to where yes. she beats Roxy. It's not a surprise. Mm-hmm in the sense of, you know, she's capable of doing it. It's just a surprise in the sense of, wow, an ROH champion lost her title. But like you said, she's currently, she just signed with MLW. You can't really have the ROH women's champion go to MLW with the title as an official MLW performer while Mm -hmm. ROH is on hiatus. Mm -hmm. So they, they had a, to me, they, they had to work it the best way possible, and I think that they accomplished that by having Deanna take the title off. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to turn the title over in general, you want to give it to the best uh, women's wrestler in the independence right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as far as AEW and below, or below AEW goes, um, that's got to be Deanna Perrazzo hands down. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's not as good as the women in AEW, but there's, you know, there's, once you get to AEW, it's it's kind of an argument. Um, so the best hands would go to Deanna Perrazzo. I would hope that she would still be kind of in between, but I think it'd be great for Deanna to be in ROH once it reopens, because I feel like it might've been the only place she hasn't touched, uh, especially at the peak of her performances lately. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of just AEW and ROH. So I think it'd be, it'd be cool to see her reign atop ROH until they figure out what they're doing with the division. I think she's a great flag holder until then. Yeah, and you kind of couldn't give it to Mickey just because even though Mickey's the world champ for Impact, 
she's bouncing to WWE real quick for the Rumble. I mean, as cool as it would be to say we have a double champ coming over, we got the Impact and ROH Women's Champ. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think they would, they would have done that. So Deanna was definitely the best route to go with. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a hell of a, that'd be an all chips in kind of situation where you're not exactly sure whether you're getting all of your money back. So Deanna was definitely mm-hmm. a short choice. Um, so good for them. Good for Deanna. Good for Charlie. Um, and good for Regal if he takes the opportunity. I'd love to see Regal um, every week. Not that Scott Demore isn't doing a great job, but Regal is is the personification of what a general manager is. And if he's just backstage uh, helping mold talent, there isn't anyone who's not gotten better being under the wing of William Regal. So, yeah, and and like you, <coughs> excuse me, like you said, it's not that Scott Demore is bad in any way because. He's gotten better since he's first started, since since Impact first came around. Mm-hmm. But Regal, I, I would say Regal is just a tad bit better than Scott Diamore. So even if it is on screen, then we would love to see it. If it's backstage, that'd be even awesomer because he can develop the hell out of the young talent that they have. Absolutely. Um, so tell me something. Who do you think had the better week this week? Do you think it was WWE or... Do you think it was AEW? Um, honestly, both their weeks were not terrible, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit of an edge to AEW. All right, so I think we'll finish with AEW then. Um, yeah. I had a lot of the a lot of these points are kind of run through, but. I had some interesting points for um, WWE this week. And I'll start with NXT because it's kind of the easiest thing to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to start with UK. Um, Walter this week has had his final match in NXT UK. Um, Times have changed. They are not sure where he is going, but they made a very big deal about this being the last, kind of the last time you'll see him in uh, in NXT UK. Um, I've heard some pushback from going main roster, so I'm not entirely sure what this means. What are you thinking? I would say... Now, see, this is this is where it gets tricky because I feel like both brands could use Walter or, or both. Yeah, both brands could use Walter being WWE and NXT 2.0. Mm-hmm. NXT 2.0 could use him in the sense of, yeah, you got Braun Breaker, but you really don't have anybody close to Braun Breaker after that. Like Car- Carmelo Hayes would probably be the next closest thing, in my opinion. Um. Main roster-wise, you don't have any big guys right now that are credible because Omos is still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about Dabakato. No, at all. And if I'm not mistaken, those are the only two big men that they have right now. Yeah. And normally, you need to have a giant that's credible on the main roster somewhere. Somewhere. Like, can't, 
Like when Kane was there, Kane was credible. When Kali was there for for a brief period of time, Kali was credible. Mm-hmm. Braun Braun was credible. Like you always had a credible big guy somewhere, and I feel like they're lacking that right now. So if he was to go to the main roster, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. It's just the question of where do you put him on the main roster, be it Raw or SmackDown. But me personally, I would I would put him on the main roster just because I think the main roster kind of needs him. Uh, I agree. I would put him there too. I would just hope that he wouldn't turn into um, a big show. Like I wouldn't want him to become, and and not to say that being the big show of of the main roster isn't a good spot. But it's underappreciated for what it is. You you would prefer it more like in the sense of early Big Show as opposed to later Big Show. Yeah, I don't want it to seem like um, a background, you know, um, support position. Yeah, if if it was like oh two oh three Big Show, I want it to be. Yeah, I want it to be Big Show when Big Show was a somebody. Yeah, and not like. With Enzo Amore and all that. Yeah, I just don't I just don't want it to feel like he's there whenever you need him. I want him to be a main player from the jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I got, I... and then after you know he has a run or something, then maybe we start to dabble in and out like a Randy Orton sort of role. Um, but I just don't want him to get there and immediately feel like, okay, you're big show. Yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't want that either. Um, if I had a, if I had to give him some type of thing of what I would want him to be like, I would say Braun when Braun first came in, mm. but in this, but in the sense of like that's how dominant I want want him to be. I don't want him to just be the big guy who's there doing nothing. I want him to be the big guy who's actually dominating people and being able to talk, like mm-hmm. being able to promo a little bit. Like he, he don't got a promo to the stars, but just let him, you know, do his domination thing and assert himself on the microphone. You don't, you don't got to have him talk for eons. Just let him assert himself. Y'all hear his voice. Y'all let him know what he's about, what he, what he's there to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I would, I would much rather have him be, um, him in a pure form and then whenever you're ready to pull the trigger on him even if it's not immediately um uh, be able to maintain his hype so to speak mm-hmm. so that he doesn't just feel like somebody you can pull out of your pocket whenever it's just somebody yeah. performing at a really high level and at some point y'all can um have him run into that championship role. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Walsh's last time. And in two weeks' time from now, uh, Jordan Devlin will be fighting Ilya Dragunov, the current NXT UK champion, for the title um, on NXT UK. That sounds like a good match. Right? It's, uh, yeah. it's Finn Bauer's protege, and uh, Ilya Dragunov is no slouch. Yeah, no, we the guy that beat Walter for the belt. So 
Yeah, I, yeah, we we've had high praise for Dragon off for a minute now, so that that's gonna be a great match. And if you come on, and if you come from under Balor, that's that's pretty that's a pretty good person to learn from. I mean, last person I learned from Finn Balor, pretty sure she became one of the hottest female superstars in the last few years. So it'll be interesting to see that. I'm gonna keep tabs on um, on that when that happens to. So I can get a good visual of the match because I feel like it's going to be very physical. Mm -hmm. um, and Devlin has kind of evolved from where he was. Uh, when I last was watching Devlin, he was he was always cocky, but he was um, he looked a lot more like a, a Balor ripoff. That was just kind of. Uh, yeah, he was yeah, like if Finn Balor bit. had a son, he was like the cocky son of Finn Balor. Yeah, a little bit. I can't lie. He he did look a little bit like Wish <laughs> Finn Balor, right? So now he's kind of adapted this. He's like fully. He's like all trips in on cocky. Mm -hmm. Like to this point, he's he's almost a playboy, um, yeah. or he believes himself to be. So it's. It's uh it's gonna be an interesting mix of personalities and physicality uh in two weeks' time. So I'm looking forward to that. In other NXT news, that's a little more interesting for me. Um Boa for Solo Sokoa in some sort of what I guess ended in a street fight. And they were fighting backstage. He threw Boa over um, one of the equipment containers and they used uh, a flare. They had a flare spot where it looks like he burnt him in the face. Okay. Um, and he comes from behind the, he pops up from behind the, the equipment box um, with this like different face paint or mask or whatever it is. Um, so I'm guessing they didn't drop the boa thing from when um, Zaya Lee was part of that little three-person faction they had, and he's still like kind of a demon person. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really waiting for them to get rid of that. But <laughs> uh, just a small update: Boa's still into the whatever gimmick that is, and. He's going at it with Solo Sokoa now. So hopefully it turns out to be interesting. Um, yeah. And on the flip side of that, AJ had his match with Grayson Waller and won clean. Um, I saw the highlights of the match. I didn't see the match, but it didn't feel like they had a lot of time. Um, it didn't feel like they had a lot of time, but essentially enough to praise Grayson Waller after the match. But again, I didn't watch it, so they might have had 15, 20 minutes, and I just don't know. Um, but from the highlights, it looked like it was a very fast match, like it couldn't have been more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, AJ beat him clean and then reintroduced LA Knight after saying that his time in NXT was done and he had a really great time and the fans and blah, blah, blah. Um, in the video, and 
maybe AJ said it himself, he was leaving NXT to LA Knight. Like he was leaving the keys to LA Knight or something. Um, I think the caption said AJ leaves NXT 2.0 in the hands of LA Knight. Which is not not, not a pair of not not a pair of bad hands to leave it into. But also a very specific way to say that. You're leaving it in the hands of LA Knight. So LA Knight is essentially um going to be there, John Cena, I'm assuming. This is not a coincidence. Okay, I didn't want to say it. I, okay, all right. So we're clear on this, right? Like this is they this is for a reason. They're they've essentially chosen their one veteran who's sticking around and not getting fired. It's, it's, it's gonna be LA Knight. Oh, oh, if you fire LA Knight, I'm gonna be storming the gates of Normandy and kicking in some ass because this is gonna be ridiculous. It's funny because LA Knight has essentially I think only gotten by because he's the newest, he's the last guy from the Triple H era that was not around to be a tri- long enough to be a Triple H guy. Yeah, but, but so because he's big and he's a talker and he's marketable and he had he isn't completely indebted to Triple H, I feel like they're keeping him around <laughs> to be the one veteran that they like while they get rid of all the other ones. Yeah, you kind of just beat me to the punch on that one because I was gonna say, well, yeah, he hasn't been around long enough to be a Triple H guy, but he also fits he also fits Vince's bill of marketability. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm definitely keeping LA Knight around, and I'm normally not a fan of Vince's sense of marketability, but in this case with LA Knight, it works. LA Knight is not a slouch in the ring. He's not. I mean, he's tall enough. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's tall enough. He's got a great physique. He can talk on the mic. He can mm-hmm. go. His merch is pretty cool. Like, there's really not much to miss with LA Knight. He's got a dope catchphrase. He's got a couple dope catchphrases. Yeah. There's really, there's really, <laughs> there's really not much to miss on miss on with LA Knight. I mean, I really, I think the only thing that they missed on from the start was his name, and. I mean, the name kind of grew on me. L.A. Knight grew on me, so mm. there's really not much you could, to miss with on him. The dude's got marketability. He's going to be a – he can be a big player for them. <clears throat> I share your sentiment. Um, he's kind of had to the, – the name change had to grow on me um, from Eli Drake to L.A. Knight. Mm-hmm. But – I mean, it's not terrible hands to leave it in. No. I'm not upset about it. Um, I'm upset about the other careers that come at a cost to you choosing this one guy. But uh, him being chosen isn't 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 bad to me. I like it. Yeah. I like LA Knight. I like his promo work. I like his in-ring work. He kind of, he, he works. Um, he, he reminds me of a guy that I feel like um, was, was denied uh, a shot he probably should have gotten, um, mm-hmm. Mr. Kennedy or Mr. Anderson. He's got chops like him. 
Yeah. He's he's very like he's like a turned up version of Kennedy. If you can mm-hmm. turn that up anymore. So I, I like him. I like him as the guy. Um, I feel like it was weird to have AJ be the one to say he's leaving NXT to LA Knight, but you know, AJ is yeah. essentially Vince's guy. Uh, I, Vince's guy on the main roster, so. Yeah, but they also got that impact history too. I mean, they were I don't think they were in impact together, but they all, but they, they they have that common bond of uh being in impact. So it, it's yeah. not really super surprising. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I agree with that. I like what they did there. Um moving on from that, I have an AJ question. Okay. That kind of leads us into what happened on Raw. So this past week on Raw, before NXT, um, AJ was having a match with Austin Theory. This is not a coincidence. <laughs> this is where I'll say that. AJ, Vince's guy, Vince's Cena after Cena left him. <clears throat> He's having a match with uh, Austin Theory, who on TV is Vince's guy, and then gets attacked by uh, Grayson Waller, who is in high regards with people down at NXT, aka Vince McMahon. Um, and he loses. AJ wins via disqualification, but Austin Theory gets away from the uh, phenomenal form via. Uh, being attacked by Grayson Waller. Um, so Grayson gets some time on the main roster to give some hype to the match on Tuesday where he loses to AJ Clean. Yeah. Um, and then AJ essentially gives the keys of the kingdom to LA Knight. And this is all kind of, you know, it's it's like paperwork. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a sense. It definitely is. Um so my question is, is AJ just enhancement now? Is he just the guy putting young guys over? AJ now for me is, uh, I'm trying to think of, I, I, I want to get the exact year right before I say this. I, I, what year did John win the title the first time, the very first time? Was this like 04, 05? What mania was that? That was 21. Right? That was Hollywood. Um, yes. So I, I want to say that was like 05. So for me, AJ is like Kurt Angle of 2005. Mm. In the sense of we can't use him as the number one guy. Right. But we can use him as the measuring stick. Mm. AJ is essentially the measuring stick guy now. He's he's the he's the Dolph Ziggler a couple years ago. Oh no, no, no. That means he's, he's enhancement, dude. Yeah, he's, I mean he's Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> no. I right, maybe Dolph Ziggler's a little too harsh because we, we, we actually he's, give an AJ. He's but you're right though. Like he's he's become um, a much more respected Dolph Ziggler. 
Yeah, exactly. He's like he's like Dolph Ziggler when he was um, the gatekeeper, but if Dolph Ziggler had accomplished everything Dolph Ziggler wanted to accomplish before becoming the gatekeeper. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a knock. It's not a, really a knock to AJ. It's more of a knock to the booking. And we've 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 done. It's like beating a dead horse at this point, talking about how terrible the booking's been, what have you. But AJ has essentially, to me, become the measuring stick guy because your world title picture is crowded with, with Seth, Roman, Bobby, Brock, Kevin, like all, all those guys. Mm-hmm. And you kind of ruined uh, having AJ in the world title picture by putting him in a tag team that made no made no real sense aside from the comparisons to Sean and Diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, which Dolph has also done. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really... Oh, my God. They're recycling ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it is. And, and I mean, AJ is probably the best measuring stick person the yeah, WWE's he's, ever he's had. The, he is the measuring stick. He is. He's the best he measuring is. stick that they've ever had. In fact, Sean was in that role for a little while before Sean... Damn, does that mean... Damn... Does that mean Roman's not really the Undertaker anymore? No, Roman's essentially the Undertaker of the locker room. Mm. Like Roman's locker room leader. And Roman's like the guy, but Roman isn't who Taker was to the people in the back. I feel like that's now and and I I don't somewhere between AJ and Randy. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even think Roman's fully locker room leader. Like, he's definitely one of the upper echelon guys that, you know, enforce stuff. But as far as, like, sole leader, I wouldn't say he's sole leader. I'd put Randy in that category. I'd probably put AJ right there next to Roman. Mm -hmm. But Roman's definitely up there. But I would say Randy's probably first and foremost locker room leader. Mm. You're probably right. It's It's probably somewhere between the three of them. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you never know. It, it might be split duty. It, it's a lot more, uh, from what we hear, it's a lot more democracy, uh, democratic now than it is a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's sad to see, man. Like AJ, AJ, I feel like, you know, AJ's in a place where he's kind of, um, he's in his William Regal, not William Regal. He's in his Ric Flair stages. <laughs> Where he's like, yeah. I've done all there is to do now. So let me, yeah, let, let whatever happens help. from here is kind of whatever. Yeah, I, I think he's more in the sense of, you know, he's just here to help this young talent collect the bag. And then Bob's yeah. your uncle. After that, he's out the door. Yeah. And then when it's time for him to go, I'm sure, you know, him and Vince will cry and or just I mean, Vince will cry. <laughs> I mean, and they'll send him off in a in a good uh in a good way you know because he's been a solid vince guy now that he's here listen this aj aj is the only guy from a different promotion i've seen come there and be declared the guy like immediately um that, yeah, and, but they and embraced that. by vince who wasn't there because of triple h and Vince kind of gave him like the keys. Like Vince, Vince, uh, after John had to go and AJ was wearing that John Cena headband, um, 
AJ was kind of declared like the guy, like Vince saw him as like, this is my, this is my John now. So I mm. think when AJ's done putting over all this other talent um, and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I kind of don't want to do this anymore. I think I'm done. And he's ready to retire. Uh, Cause he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's like a, a grand slam champion damn near. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he's held every title. Yeah, he has held every title. Yeah, yeah so he's already a grand slam. Statistically, he's the he's had the greatest rookie year since like Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll send him off with whoever they feel like is the new biggest Brock Lesnar kind of looking guy. Probably Braun Breaker. Um, <laughs> they'll, they'll send him off with the like up and coming Braun Breaker that's being pushed like Brock Lesnar. And it'll be a, it'll be a real good final send off and he'll put the guy over and, you know, the next night they'll have that everyone empty out the locker room to hug AJ. Thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like he's a legend and the fact that he's not leaving to AEW um, or having any gripes about anything or being any voice of concern and, you know, just, just playing along to everything. I think is really going to sit well with Vince's heart because, you know, he loves loyalty. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think Vince will cry and give him a good match send off, but it's just sad to see that he's enhancement talent. now. Pretty much. Um, but to wrap up the whole NXT thing, um, the two big dogs that are kind of left behind until the next round of releases, hopefully, hopefully not, um, were recently seen doing a dark match on the main roster uh, yeah. to Maso Ciampa and the Bruiserweight, right? Yeah. Um, so basically, they just recently had the show in Philadelphia, and there were rumors that, you know, Champa and Gunner working dark matches, but n- there was never really nothing concrete. Mm-hmm. But on our Instagram, a good friend of the show, Joey Reckless, happened to be there. Shout out to Joey. And he happened to take video of mm-hmm. them working their dark matches. And usually when this happens, because we've been to these shows before and we've seen these type of dark matches, especially around Rumble time. Yeah. No- normally this means somebody's coming up to the main roster. So if these two guys are working the dark matches before the Rumble, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that they both will pop up in the Rumble and then both be name stays on either Raw or SmackDown. Mm. And I, I feel like they I feel like maybe Tommaso will be on SmackDown and Pete Dunn will be on Raw. Yeah. And it's weird to say that because it's, you would think it'd be time, the other way around. But this is the first time in history that SmackDown is truly pushed as the A-show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Tommaso will probably end up over there. Um, and Pete will end up on, on Raw. Uh, they probably won't call him the Bruiserweight anymore once he reaches the main roster. Um. But I, I think, it's just I hope, I mean, 
I I want to be happy about this. It's kind so of I'm it's, gonna reserve. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of bittersweet though. I'm gonna reserve my gut feeling and say that um, if this is the way things are going, then I'm gonna be very happy about that because there's there's I have some skeptical. <laughs> I have some skepticism going on. Oh, I mean, you you always have to when NXT talent is coming up to the main roster. I mean, we've learned that we've learned that many a times in the just in the course of us starting this podcast. And there's small in there, you know. Yeah, and I they're not that's buffest guys, they're technical, Chopper's got grays. I mean, yeah, Pete's but, young. But, yeah, but, but that but that's also why I think Tommaso would be better off in the SmackDown world because there's people that he can go with on SmackDown that will fit that type of wrestling style with him. Like him and Cesaro would be great. Him and Nakamura would be great. Him and Boogs would I honestly think him and Boogs would put on a pretty damn good match. You know what and I would it, do? And I hate the thought of Chopper wrestling Boogs, I'll be honest with you. Not as big a fan of boobs as you are. No, but no, but the dude has the dude has some like if you just look at you, you take away the gimmick and you just look at the in-ring ability of Rick Boogs, mm-hmm. the dude the dude is pretty damn smooth in the ring. Like he's strong as a fucking ox and he can move. And like if you just take the air guitar in and the gimmick away and just and just give him trunks and let him rustle, he kind of reminds you a little bit of a Cesaro, just not as technically sound even though he's pretty technically sound like if you just take the gimmick away because the gimmick is i i think the gimmick is what most people can't get past with therein lies the issue though like yeah but that's that's creative and again that's that's like beating a dead horse at this point just bashing creative but okay well i i actually have a a fantasy scenario on my own. I f- I feel like if you give Champa a one year um, to see where he can go and how many fans you can get behind him and where he fits into the card. Um, and if he has a perception that isn't world champion yet, I think he can go on a pretty good tag run with the other veteran of that locker room. Um, I think you give a one-year gap for him to establish who he is on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you can split Randy and um, Matt Riddle, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into later. I think you can split them at Mania, have them in that, wrap that up, and then wait a year while Ciampa establishes himself and Randy does whatever Randy does if he even shows up because without a storyline, he'll probably be at home with his wife, which he's earned, and I'm not going to, you know. Um, And then after that year, I think... Randy and Ciampa could have a great tag team run. Of two old, gritty guys that will do anything to win. I think the chemistry is just kind of there. Like, they feed off the same... They're cut from the same cloth. 
They're just two old grizzled guys that win at any cost. And at the end yeah. of the day, they have the same dad. So it kind of works. Yeah, but I, I would I'd be more inclined to see them feud with each other than I would as a tag. That's long game, man. That is long game. Yeah, win but a I'm, couple I'm, titles first. Get that chemistry was, and then you know, then you can have that that payoff of I kind of want to. I'm kind of better than you, and then it'll be like a one-upping thing, and we can work towards yeah. chopping Randy. I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, me personally, I'm kind of gonna, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you, only on the sense of, I'm kind of tired of seeing Randy just turn on tag team partner after tag team partner after tag team partner. Like that's been one of the things with Randy throughout his career. Every tag team partner he's had. He's turned on, feuded with, and it's it's a recycled thing. It really he's is. Unloyal. He's unloyal. He's unloyal. But I mean, yeah. so was Sean. So was Sean. Yeah, it's just it, it got, Sean it, couldn't it, stick to a tag team partner to save his life. I mean, no, not really. Come on, I feel not like a, just this one is kind of like the only tag team that has that that really seems like character base makes sense since Edge. Yeah, I look at his other tag team partners, and it's kind of been either for Randy's pure benefit or to help get a guy over. Mm-hmm. Like if, Rand- if Randy, when Randy was in Legacy, that was purely for his benefit. When he was in the Wyatts, that was a long game kind of thing. Yeah, like unless it was Edge, there was nobody that he was really tagging with that was just somebody that matched his character. Yeah. And I feel like him and Champa could go on a run this more than just like a year or two thing. Like they could they could have a legit like staple tag team run and then okay. end that with Champa versus Randy. All right. I mean I, I'd still I'd still say I disagree, but I mean I, I, I see what you're saying. It do, it does have some validity to it. And you know what? Honestly, because they're cut from the same cloth, you could flip it. Yeah. Or you could even have them be hesitant at first. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to be a tag team, but circumstances have kind of led them into this place. Yeah. Because honestly, I could see them having a hilarious promo in the back that's kind of like not meant to be funny. But it's mm-hmm. funny because they're both trying not to be a tag team because they're insulting how loyal the other person is. Yeah, it, it just because so they're both they're both they both turn on their tag partners like that. Like they've never <laughs> they've, they've never really been loyal to their tag neither of them. So yeah. Randy could be like, "Hey man, like I don't I don't want to tag with you either. You're untrustworthy. You think I don't know mm-hmm. about, like how many tag partners you turned on? I don't." So they're both yeah. just kind of like the same person. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know. I see it working, but I get what you're saying. You're tired of Randy being a, a tag guy. But at the same time, I don't think Randy wants to be at the top of the food chain. Nah. And I, mean, I don't see a mid-card spot for Randy Orton. I just, I just don't nah. see it. No, I, I would kind of just like to see Randy get one step closer to that 16 because I feel like he deserves it more than more than certain people. But, you know, that's just that's just me. I see what you're saying. 
I see what you're saying. Well, off of uh, all the NXT people, Chompa and Dunn, um, had some interesting things happen in the women's division uh, that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, uh, Alexa Bliss is having vignettes now. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing. Can you say that again? I think that was my actual Alexa. I don't know if that made it to the microphone. Um, no, Alexa, not you. The other Alexa. <laughs> but yeah, she's been having vignettes. Um, she's been having vignettes. She's, she was in there with like a, a therapist um, who was trying to address her anger and it didn't work at all and she ended up destroying the entire place. Are you upset that they're bringing Alexa Bliss back still is Alexa Bliss um, the Bray Wyatt spinoff? Yes. Um, like, why are we still doing this Sister Abigail nonsense if the guy who was behind the Sister Abigail is no longer with us? It just, it, it really makes no sense. You, you don't need to carry out this gimmick anymore. She stepped away. Her stepping away would have been the perfect time for her to go back to her old self. Like, you could have had moments later down the line where, you know, people kind of hinted at it and poked fun at her, her past as, you know, the twisted sister. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they could have said, where's your friend, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, you look a little different. Did you do something with your hair? Like mm-hmm. they, they could have teased at it, but this would have been the perfect time to bring back old bliss. And if I feel like if this is the explanation to the fans, um, of like how they get Alexa Bliss back to being regular Alexa Bliss. Um, that's fine. I don't need it, but that's that's fine. I would just kind yeah. of like for this phase of Alexa to just end pretty much. Yeah, if we can if we can get the old Bliss back and you know she goes back to what she once was, if, if this is how we have to do it, I mean, as, as long as that's the end goal, then you know we're here for it. Just make make it snappy, like make it happen. Yeah, this is kind of one of those things where you don't need to tie up the storyline at all. I'm just kind no. of fine with it ending here. Like I'm just yeah, just I mean never speak of it again. I don't. Yeah. I want to forget about it. Trust yeah, me. because the Bray Wyatt time was a dark time. Not and not for anyone's fault, other than oh my god, I feel like I'm talking about them again. Uh, not, <laughs> it, it, it's not that it's it, it's not like it's their fault. It's it's. It's, it's fine. It's at this point, that's probably gonna be the title of this pod. It's yeah. probably gonna be one of the titles is just beating a dead horse. Yeah. Um so I'm 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 fine with if this vignette just ends with her becoming herself again, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, that I mean it's you didn't need to do it, but you know, if if, you, if it that's the end goal, then okay. Yeah, I, I'll I'll be along for the ride as long as she becomes a normal at the end of this. Yeah. Um, another person that might end up becoming normal is uh, her partner or ex-partner. Um, one of the staples of the women's tag team division when they were together. And I guess new staple in a way, whatever. Uh, Nikki A.S.H. has turned on Rhea Ripley. Um, and I'm happy about it 
if it results in Nikki becoming more serious and dropping the superhero thing. If this is solely to just end the tag team and then they're going to be the respective characters, this is great, but it's only benefiting Ray Ripley. Agreed. And I don't think she's going to go back to old Nikki. Um, if you watch, if you watch when she attacked her, um, as she's walking up the ramp, she said superheroes don't need friends. So this that tells me, totally this tells me, true. this tells me that she's going to stick as Nikki A.S.H. or with the superhero gimmick. She's going to be an ironic superhero. Yeah, she she she's going to be the annoying, she's going to be the more annoying hurricane. Um, and Hurricane had friends. Is it, yes, that's, that's not even comic book accurate. Like, no, it's not. All heroes have friends, like all of them. Like, yeah, Justice League, Teen Titans, Avengers. Even even your single superheroes, Spider Man had Harry Osborn. He had Ned. Like you know, Cap Cap had Bucky. Iron Man had Rhodey. Every every superhero has a friend. X-Men, fantastic. They all have friends. Everyone has friends, dude. Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Not to keep digging into it, but this is kind of like totally inaccurate. Like, I don't... eh. Whatever. Whatever. I just want her to be normal again. But I guess this will only benefit Rhea Ripley because I'll be damned if they're putting another title on Nikki A.S.H. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we tried it. We weren't a fan of it. We, we get, I, I think I gave it more of a shot than anybody else did. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it didn't really work for the crowd, at least in my opinion. Um, I mean, you got the three to five year olds happy, so that's good. But other than that, you really didn't accomplish anything. Your merch didn't move. Uh, the crowd really didn't get over with you. Aside from that one surprise cash in. That lasted about three weeks. Um, yeah, so time to move on and change it. And thank God Rhea can get back to doing what Rhea does. Yeah, that's the true benefit of this. Um, mm-hmm. Another women's thing that happened on Raw, um, and then the only other women's thing happened on SmackDown, they had the number one contenders match for uh, Becky Lynch's title. It was Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, and Bianca Belair. And I have two, well, I really have just one shocking epiphany. That's not really shocking at all. Um, It's kind of what I expected to happen. Um, There's a spot where Bianca has Liv beat goes to pin her and (laughs) Becky Lynch breaks the pinfall, drags Bianca out of the ring, leaving Dewdrop to do the Dewdrop. I don't know what the move is actually called, but it's a Vader. It's not even a Vader bomb. It's a Yokozuna bomb, really. Um, To do a Yokozuna bomb that I guess you could also call the dewdrop. That's what I'm calling it. I don't even care to learn the name of it. It's it's the <laughs> dewdrop because her name is Dewdrop. Um, she does the dewdrop for the win on Liv Morgan. 
who Oops. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Bianca did the kiss of death to live. Okay. Becky broke the pinfall, dragged okay. Bianca out of the ring, then Dewdrop did the Dewdrop on a lifeless Liv Morgan and won the match. Who? <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 lost. So I, 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 two things. So now yeah. one thing that I haven't predicted has come to fruition. And mm-hmm. something that I had in the back of my mind that I really didn't want to say, but I was kind of hinting at back when we had the day one discussion. They totally dropped Liv Morgan and ruined the biggest build of a uh, main event WrestleMania match that they had on their plate. Dewdrop is now fighting <laughs> a big time Bex at the Rumble, I'm assuming. And because they're no longer having a pay-per-view in between the Rumble and WrestleMania, that would lead me to believe <laughs> that Bianca, because she's the one Becky didn't want to fight, is going to win the Rumble to fight Becky at Mania. So it's going to be Bianca and Becky, which means they totally squashed all the momentum of Liv for no payoff whatsoever. Biggest feud of the year. Nothing. Which I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of hinted at when we had this initial discussion about day one, that if she wins clean, then it's kind of over. And if she if she she shouldn't win at day one, she deserves to win at WrestleMania. Um, and and they even they threw me for a loop because they didn't have her beat Liv clean at day one, but then they kind of eliminated any other opportunity for her to win because if she was if she was afraid to fight Bianca, that means eventually she has to fight Bianca. That means she's not worried about Dewdrop. And because you had Liv eat both finishers, that means nobody on creative cared to protect how strong Liv Morgan should stay, which means she's not in contention anymore. Let her she go. Just ate, she just lost twice, basically. She Let lost to Bianca because Bianca would have got that three count. Then she lost to Dewdrop, actually. So they don't care about Liv. Liv's, Liv's time is over. She's probably drop it at the Rumble. And Bianca's probably going to win the Rumble. Because it looks like Lita might be fighting. Uh, you know what? I'll get into that later. But yes, this, what is this, man? It looks like Bianca versus Becky Lynch. What do you have to say about Liv Morgan's time being totally up? Let her go. That, that's all I have to say. Let her go. You have if you're not going to book her how she should be booked, you don't have nothing for her. You're squashing her the way you're squashing her. Let her go and let her go be great somewhere else. You think she ain't going to have a following behind her? You think she ain't going to have fans that follow her to another company wherever she goes? Like y'all, you guys are you I, I'm the, I'm I'm lost for words. That 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 is where I'm at with this whole 
a burial of Liv Morgan of sorts. I hoped she had had a better 2022. And right now, from the outside looking in, it looks like the 2022 is going to suck for her. Unless you manage to pull some type of rabbit out of a hat where she wins the Rumble and, you know, picks Charlotte, which doesn't make sense. But, you know, unless you have her win the Rumble, pick Charlotte. And then, you know, they, they need to find a number one contender for Becky. And it just so happens to be Bianca. Because I know Liv and Charlotte got a little bit of history there. Um, or who knows? They might just not know what the hell they're doing. And they might just say, fuck it, and let Liv win the Rumble and pick Becky again. But I don't see that happening. Nope. But you know how WWE is. They change things a lot on they change a lot of things on the fly. Sure. Like there was a point in time where uh, the year Randy won the Rumble the second time. They didn't know Randy was going to win the Rumble until the day of the Rumble. They wrote that whole storyline on the fly. That is going to be an interesting transition in a second. But that, 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 that's where I stand. I'm, just, I'm at a loss for words on that. Um, do you have any comments on Alpha Academy beating Randy and uh, <clears throat> Matt Riddle or just Riddle? For yeah, the it, it was time. I mean, it, it was time. I, I think this is where you start to plant the seeds for their mania match anyway. Yep. Um, I, I feel like the final nail in the coffin of them actually having a mania match is going to be in the rumble because I think they're going to be in the rumble together and Randy's going to launch him over the top rope. And that's where this whole thing's going to happen. You know, Riddle's going to try to talk to him the Monday after the rumble and Randy's just going to beat the ever living snot out of him. Probably, you know, break out a punt kick to the head you know, do so just just beat him, just mangle him. And then in a couple weeks, Riddle comes back, attacks Randy, challenges him at Mania, and then that that's where they have their big finish. But yeah, it was it was about time anyway. And kudos to Alpha Academy for actually, you know, climbing the ladder and getting to a tag title. So I mean I'm I'm not upset at it. It it, it, it doesn't make me mad. Pretty cool to see Gable hold the title. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, it seems like again, this seems like you know, this is this is just doing paperwork. This is you know, we have a goal. You know, titles got to go to somebody before we start this. So let's make sure the titles are off them before we pull the trigger on this thing. I, I will say this though, I do I do have them losing those titles fairly quickly. Yeah, they're placeholders. Yeah, they're placeholders. I think they'll probably hold it either till Mania. They'll they'll probably hold it till Mania and lose it at Mania. Yeah. Yeah, but this but, is this is paperwork. This is but their their match will probably be maybe the maybe the bathroom break match or maybe a, the maybe the pre-show match. Maybe. Depending on who they fight, it'll either yeah. be the bathroom break or the pre-show. Because what other tag team is on Raw right now? You got 
um, Alpha Academy, you got Garza and Carrillo, you got the Street Profits, if I'm not mistaken. I think that I think the Street Profits are raw now, right? Yeah, 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 they are. Yeah, they are. Because they they were in the uh, the RK Bronaman or uh, Bronaman or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it'll probably be the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy at um, at Mania for the titles, and the Profits will probably win. Yeah. So, not super upset about it. Is what it is. Just paperwork, moving things along. Uh, But I'll tell you what. What was interesting to me on Raw this week was um, another clean victory that I think comes with some news. There's rumors that Big E did not really know the finish of day one until a little bit before the match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that too, and I tend to believe that there's actually I I tend to believe that there's some very much there's very much a lot of validity to that statement. I feel like there is too. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that Biggie lost clean this Monday to Seth Rollins. No, Um, I don't think so because from what I was hearing. Um, they were in a toss up on if Big E was going to retain or if Seth was going to walk out with the title. And then they said Seth was the original choice of somebody to win at day one. And then the Brock thing happened and Roman catching COVID or quote unquote catching COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, then they threw Brock in and had Brock win the title. So I I do believe that nobody knew, even the people backstage, nobody knew what was going to happen until the day of. So I think Rollins beating Big E was essentially um, Big E being pinned down to the mid-card or being pinned back down to the mid-card. Um. Call it a hunch, but I feel as though this was essentially them cutting ties with the Big E run. Yeah, I, I, I can agree that this was kind of their their final nail in the coffin on his actual run because one, Seth was supposedly going to be the guy if Brock wasn't in the match at day one. Two, you got to make Seth look big before his match with Roman. How do you do that? You have him beat the former world champ. You have him beat him clean. And three, Big E losing clean to a guy that we don't know if he's a heel or a face right now kind of makes Big E look weak. So making him look weak doesn't help him. And it, it, like you said, it kind of, he kind of curb stomped him back down to the mid card. Yeah, it looks good if you're losing because you're in a ring with four other people. Doesn't look good when Seth Rollins just beats you clean. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, if you're in the fatal four-way, 
Big E don't got to get pinned to lose. You could have had it. You could have had Seth curb stomp Kevin and win, or curb stomp Bobby and win. Could have been anybody. Yeah. But um, him beating you clean for no real momentum at all kind of cements that you were essentially a stepping stone. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, I think another stepping stone um, might end up being Bobby, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, so I had two funny things that happened on Raw. One was the Hurt Business getting back together after they got back together to get broken up. So so one week, the Hurt Business is together, and then you don't see them together for weeks. And then this week, they're together um, until MVP says that the Almighty works alone. And then they have this confrontation with Bobby and Brock, where Brock calls Bobby a Brock Lesnar wannabe. Yeah. Which Brock isn't too happy about. And then upon almost getting jumped by the Hurt Business, he destroys the Hurt Business. It's just, just so confusing. Like, I mean, Confucius, Confucius said, "This no makes sense." Just stop using the hurt business. Like I, at this like point, I, you're you're rubbing it in our faces now. Yeah, it's just if you're gonna keep doing it, it's gonna get annoying. I mean, it, it already is annoying. We know you're not going to put the Hurt Business back together. You 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 screwed the Hurt Business when they were one of the best things you had going. So bringing the Hurt Business back for like a week and then teasing it and then, you know, having them gone, then come back and break them, breaking them up again. It just it's it's pointless. It, nobody gained anything from that segment. The Hurt Business didn't gain anything. Bobby didn't gain anything. We done seen Bobby whoop their ass a million times already. Yeah. Yeah, that's we all know Brock, it's possible. Brock didn't gain nothing from it. Like, what what was the gain from this? Mm, I guess in booking terms, it was a spot to make Bobby look strong. But even then, it wasn't really like we already knew he was strong. You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible to look strong when you're lifting the same weights over and over and over again. Sometimes you got to add some weight to it, or or take some weight off and do more reps. It's impossible to look stronger when you're lifting the same 50-pound dumbbell over and over and over. Well, you know what Leo Rush says. Low weights, high reps. Low weights, high reps. Lashley. Lashley. No, okay. Uh, But this was was terrible. I didn't need to do this. Um, Stop making the hurt business a joke. It wasn't a joke when you made it. And now it's kind of insulting. Yeah. Um, but I do like the the um Bobby who 
Um, you know <laughs> that that was pretty Brock funny. Lesnar thing. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy Brock being humorous. Um, and those are two big. Po- well, not the Bobby Lashley who, but the um, the knockoff Brock Lesnar or wannabe Brock Lesnar thing is a good. It's a good punch. It's mm-hmm. a good punch because they're very comparable. Um, Absolutely. So I dig that. Just don't like the hurt business spot. No, you don't. You you don't need the hurt business spot there. But moving on from that, I have one more women's division thing, and then we'll wrap up uh, Monday with two consecutive points. Um, Lita has returned. She came back on uh, SmackDown, and she feels like she has one more run in her. Uh, that could just be Royal Rumble talk. You know how they do. Um, but I thought it was fun to see. I thought it was fun to see. And she gave a twist of fate to Charlotte, who took it terribly. Oh, God, I'm glad you said that. It was the safest twist of fate I've ever seen in my life. She didn't want to mess her hair up. She almost did the worm. It was terrible. Um, her elbows took some damage. It was very bad. Um so that happened, and that was cool. <laughs> um, after huh? that, uh, I I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna pull the trigger on the leader thing. It's probably just a rumble spot. Mm-hmm. But cool to see leader back anytime leader's back. Um, before we get to my main thing that I call a happy accident, let's talk about how. News just broke today that Ali has asked for his release. Um, according to Fightful, him and Vince got into a heated argument about a, um, I don't know if it was a new gimmick or if it was a certain storyline, um, but just some creative direction they wanted to go in that Ali was kind of furious about. Um, that led to an argument and he had been off TV for weeks and is now asking for his release. Um, oh, and funny, um, there was also reports that um, somewhere in the argument, Ali was called um, too clean, um, too smooth and too nice in the ring which is hilarious to me. Um, and my, my personal humble opinion of Ali asking for his release, good for you. Yeah. I, and, and I don't mean this sarcastically. I really don't. Good for you for standing up for yourself and noticing that, all right, this ain't right. I don't like this. We need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. We need to try to come to some type of compromise here as, as you know, grown men do. Mm-hmm. Grown men and women do. Mm-hmm. We can't come to a compromise or an agreement or what have you on what's best for me. Then I think what's best for me is to not be here. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's like that with any employer. You, you could be, you know, Johnny Burger Flipper and all right, look, this is what I think we should do. 
going forward regarding me being here. If you guys can't reach a compromise or you guys can't, you know, agree upon something, okay, well, then I think this isn't the place for me and I would like to go. So if they grant him his release, great, good for him. I love that because then it'll then it'll give him the opportunity to bet on himself and see what he does elsewhere. Mm. And if not for nothing, if you want me to change the way I'm flipping burgers because I flip burgers too well, um, I kind of don't think this is the place for me to flip burgers anymore. Yeah, like, dude, you, you're going to tell me I'm too smooth, I'm too clean? Last I checked, that's what you need to be in this damn business. You can't be an Enzo Amore. You, 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 if you become an Enzo Amore in this business, you know what happens. You potentially injure yourself and others around you. You become unsafe to work with. Why do you think everybody praises people like Ricochet and Cesaro to the moon and back? Mm -hmm. Because they're some of the cleanest, smoothest people in the business today. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell me I'm too clean and I'm too smooth to where I, for where I'm at. Okay. Then let me go. Yeah. I have no, I have no problems with that. Like no harm, no foul to you. Like no disrespect, but if that's the case, I'd rather not be here. Yeah. Apparently what you're telling me is I'm too good for what, for where I'm at. Basically. So if I'm too good for where I'm at, let me go. Let me go elsewhere. Yeah, man, call it creative differences and leave it where it is. Um, and then my biggest thing here, uh, I was watching as I was watching the highlights from SmackDown and uh, just watching the face-to-face -face confrontation with Rollins and Roman and just trying to wrap my head around this. It seemed clear to me, one, that they have put themselves in a position where they're trying to patch things up because wherever they're at is not what was planned. No. Um, and two, that at the Rumble, we might be in for a happy accident because I'm watching this and I'm seeing, you know, this, this promo and everything Roman is saying to Seth and Seth is just he's unfazed mm -hmm. and then in the middle of the promo uh the usos are attacking him they go they go to attack him and he's dipping and dodging everything he's having them going in the ring and out the ring and back in the ring and um he dips them gets out of the ring and is kind of laughing on the outside with all three of them in the ring. And he dips kind of out of his regular weird Seth Rollins uh, gimmick back into kind of the architect gimmick. Like, mm -hmm. you didn't think I was ready for that? Come on. I thought you were smarter than this. I made you. forget who I am. Yeah. He's like, he said, he said, um, he said, I, I made you, I created you, I made you who you are, and now mm -hmm. I'm gonna destroy you. That sounds yeah. that's not regular Seth. That's that's architect Seth. Yeah, that that's not that's not Messiah Seth. Mm -hmm. 
So it, it it was it was kind of it made it like a happy accident for me. I was like, if they keep on this narrative, that Seth is one step ahead because he's always been better than Roman. This mm-hmm. is a great story, mainly because storyline wise, through the arc of their careers, Seth has actually kind of been always a step ahead and better than Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, historically. Seth has been the only guy that really does have Roman's number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, take it back to Mania, where Seth cashed in. You take it back to Seth's um, Seth uh, com- Seth's comeback when he came yeah, back and better came back Roman and then beat Roman again. Um, there's no. I think there, there might not be a guy in the business that has a better win record over Roman than Seth. Not off the top of my head that I can think of. So they they could really tell the story well, even if it's only um, for a couple more weeks until the Rumble. So this mm-hmm. this this to me is a happy accident. We get to see like what if they actually ever pulled the trigger on it would kind of be a really good feud. Mm-hmm. Because you'd have to see the man that's at the the peak of his peak competing against the guy that's always had his number. I think it. I think this doesn't exceed the rumble. Oh, me. Or if it if it does exceed the rumble, it's not going to go much farther than than a couple weeks after the rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, if, if I could offer predictions. I would say this is going to lead to Seth winning at the Rumble, getting the title, and then Roman finding a way to get Brock at Mania. I think so as well. I mean, he might try to weasel his way into the Royal Rumble match itself. Seth winning? Or is that what you said? Yeah, Seth wins at the Rumble. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. And Roman finds a way to get Brock at Mania, be it, you know, he just challenges him elsewhere after whoever wins the Rumble picks Seth, mm-hmm. or maybe Roman weasels his way into the Rumble, wins the Rumble, and then picks Brock. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Mania match this year is Brock and Roman. Um, so I think Seth wins to keep things on track and then we get two dream matches at the rumble that we kind of didn't expect to have um with bobby versus brock and seth versus roman yeah because no no but a month ago none of us would have predicted this at all that we, certainly we has never picked up on the energy that we wanted bobby versus brock for years so yeah. this is kind of a happy, this is just a happy accident scenario for, for a Rumble. This could end up being one of the best Rumbles in years simply because they're making the, the two, Rumble matter again and we're the getting two these two matches. dream matches. So strictly exactly. off of that, this could be one of the best Rumbles we've had in years. Um, but, but yeah, then what? That, that offers the question if what we said is true, and Roman gets uh, Brock at Mania. Who then would Seth get at Mania? That becomes the tough question. 
Well, see, here's here's the interesting thing that I'm at, right? Um, it's sad because had AJ not been involved in what AJ's involved in, I could have definitely picked for you the winner of this round. Because if if AJ didn't so clearly look like enhancement talent, I would be telling you they broke Omas and AJ and they left it where it was at the perfect time for AJ to go into the Rumble as a singles competitor. They broke Randy and Matt Riddle's title reign off so that the turn can happen at the Rumble and they can go to Mania. Um, Roman's going to be going after Brock. Bobby's not switching brands because he's probably not going to win. Nope. Um, so this really leads to AJ versus Seth at Mania because now AJ's totally free and they don't have another main event guy because they've already demoted Big E and they kind of have nobody left. But since it looks like they've solidified AJ as the enhancement guy, I cannot tell you who's winning this thing. But I can tell you that I think they're having another Saudi show that's going to be the Elimination Chamber. Oh, my. For the love of God. So I think <laughs> if that happens before Mania, that is where we will kind of solidify what's going to happen with that belt. You're killing me. You're really killing me. Yeah. Yeah. So, this, so that's that's another Saudi show it. that we will not be watching. That's the sad part about it. But the good thing is that you know. We get to have this thing where uh, we have a dream pay-per-view that feels like the pay-per-view we always wanted it to feel like. But I do agree with you. That AJ versus Seth idea is not a bad idea. And it makes it's the not, most logical sense. It's, it too, it's the workhorse of that business against the workhorse Josh. of every other business. <laughs> it's essentially, you know... Um, a passing of the torch match for AJ as far as um, who the guy is, even yeah. though the guy is still Roman. But, it, yeah. you know, he's, he's guy B. He's guy. He's, yeah. he's, Seth is the guy that's the guy when the guy isn't being the guy. Um, so it, it's essentially, it's like Jericho versus HBK in Mania. Yeah. Seth is the man who's learning from the man. Exactly. Oh, so God, I, it, it would be... I just said that. <laughs> I'm, listeners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to get that out. Uh, boy. But yeah, that's what it would be to me. That's how I would book it. I'd book it for AJ to win and AJ be fighting Seth at Mania. Um, but, you know, I'm not in control of booking in. I have no idea what's going on in the head of Vince McMahon. And according to people that have been in the company, Vince changes his mind like people change underwear. So yeah. <laughs> there's just no telling. Mm -hmm. uh, but moving on into a company that kind of has established all the directions they're going in, let's wrap things up with AEW, man. 
Um, so some of these are small things. Uh, one of the small things is I think they're going down a story where Eddie Kingston is going to fight Jericho. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's interesting. Um, that's it's not something I might have expected. Um, but it's definitely interesting. I mean, it I'll give it a shot. Eddie Kingston can can talk on the mic. Jericho can talk on the mic. Their promo work is probably gonna be A1. A1. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm willing to give this a go and see what happens. I'm I'm a bit, I'm a fan of Kingston. Why not? Jericho yeah. can go with almost anybody. Yeah, let's see what happens. I'll say it like this for the booking team. Promo, 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 promo. Announce it as a hardcore match. Have them go 15 minutes. Yeah, because you don't need that. You they don't you don't need their match to be a 25 minute not at all. match. Not I'm, at all. Jericho's at that. Jericho is not a technical wrestler anymore. I mean, he is, but he's not. Yeah, Jericho he, does not move the same. Kingston does not move the same. He's trying to get back in shape for those yeah. um, who are fans of Eddie Kingston. I know he's trying to get back in shape, get cleaner, get more cut and in a position yeah. where he can become a world champion. But yeah. Kingston's not moving the best. Jericho's definitely more of a hardcore fighter because he can't do all the things he used to do have them do a 15-minute slobber knocker and fuel it with a bunch of A1 promos. Um, Agreed. That, that'd, that'd be the best route for them to go. Um, do you have any thoughts on the acclaimed um, Darby Allen and Sting diss track? Um... I, the, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like I'm beating. I, I'm gonna sound like someone who's hating on the acclaimed, but I I really don't care at this point for them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that uh, they're rubbing me the wrong way as of late. Yeah, I hate the acclaimed. I hate the acclaimed. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I mean, they're like me modern wrong. day whack, wankster John Cena. I don't like their promos. I don't like the raps to the ring. I've seen the gimmick done better. I don't like it with two of them. They both just strike me as uncool completely. I want nothing to do with them. And I feel like the fact that they're feuding with Darby and Sting is a waste of Sting and Darby's time. I will not apologize. That is my statement. You Fuck the acclaimed. You just <laughs> you just said literally what I was thinking as you were talking. Like this is a waste of Darby and Sting. They're going from punk, and that they're going from the punk stuff to the acclaimed. Yeah. And and I'm being I'm being politically correct this year. I'm trying to be diplomatic about things. So this is nothing to do with them as professional wrestlers or them personally. As a gimmick, fuck the acclaimed. I hate everything about it. I will not apologize. That is my stance and I'm sticking to it. 
I don't blame you because I'm I, I'm not a fan of the gimmick either. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Off of that segue. Yeah, man. Uh, what do you think about um, um, Lance Archer versus Hangman? Um, to be honest, I missed that. I, I did not catch uh, catch Archer versus uh, Hangman, but um, th- wait, did they have the match or did, is it just no, Archer no, no, came no. back? Um, so what happened is Hangman was cutting a promo. Dan Lambert came out from American Top Team and God, basically so said he liked everything about Hangman except for the fact that he was pretending to be a cowboy. And he named off all these other great cowboys from um, his time watching in the business and said that um, he should keep everything else and drop the cowboy shit because it's an insult to the actual cowboys. Um, And in the middle of Hangman replying to that and calling Dan Lambert out, uh, Lance Archer came back and pretty much dusted Hangman. Hmm. Um, well, in that case, it's pretty good for Archer, to be honest. I mean, Archer's a guy who can go, and we haven't really seen Archer much of, we haven't seen much of him in any type of championship capacity before, aside from, I believe, the IWGP U.S. title that he got from Moxley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's good. I mean, at least we're seeing AEW use some talent that they that they kind of have homegrown themselves. Yeah, and they can that they can push and not just keep pushing the WWE guys. Absolutely. And and yeah, I think that I think it's pretty cool, especially since he just came back and, you know, they're putting him right into the picture. That mm-hmm. just shows how much faith that they have in him, because I know we we've said it before that we like Archer. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what I forget what match it was in particular. I want to say it was a ladder match that he had. I'm, it was like a six man ladder match or something like that. Yeah, I think it was something like that. But 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 yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I would like to see Archer versus uh, Hangman and see Archer get in there and actually get a shot. All right. So I dig that. Um, I feel the same way. I, we haven't seen him for a minute, but yeah, it it's good to while. see him back. He's been he's been injured, but it's good to see him back. Um, I don't have – it's been a minute since I've seen his in-ring, man. So it's going to be – uh, it's going to be interesting, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, on top of that, I have, I'm trying to, okay, I'll leave with this. The next interesting thing, because I'm trying to say the most interesting things for last, how about Team Taz being on the promo um, not on the promo, on the announced desk for a portion of the show and constantly calling out stuff about um, guys that shouldn't be here or 
guys that haven't earned anything and their accolades don't matter. And basically subliminal jabs at Jay Lethal, who ended up coming out later in the night and, and challenging uh, Ricky Starks for the FTW championship. I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Send hook. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. That would, be, I had, that would be interesting, though. I had, I had to get it in there. No, but Starks and Lethal, dude, I think that match would be fucking exciting. I do, too. And you know how much I love Ricky Starks. You, it, it took you a minute to get acclimated to Ricky Starks. I think you're still getting there, but getting Starks, there. Starks and Lethal, bro. I think that match is fucking exciting because I like the way they match up stylistically. And Lethal, if you push him to a point, he can he can embody an FTW title. Mm-hmm. Lethal can Lethal can get that. I don't give a fuck mentality if, mm-hmm. if he gets pushed far enough. Mm-hmm. And, so and I, here's. Here's my big thing. Lethal said in the promo, man, you've been going on and on about me all night. Um, but there's two things that I've learned over the two weeks that I've been here or the two months that I've been here, I think he said. Um, that's that. I think he said that you really love yourself. Um and one of the big things that you care about is that FTW title. And for that reason, I want it. So I think this could be, and he addressed that the FTW title still isn't recognized by AEW as an official title. So I think this is... This is setting a stage for possibly making the the FTW title um, an official title that people want and compete for. Yeah, and and that needs to happen because we've called for this for months now. Months. We called called this when it first came out that you need to make it an established title. A very long time. Especially if you're going to keep bringing in people left and right. Like, you already had... that, that, let's. I don't want to use WWE as the example, but I'm going to use them as the example. You have, number one, you have two world titles. You don't need two world titles in AEW. You can, you're good with just the one. Yeah. And then WWE has two tag titles, two women's titles, two mid-card titles. I'm pretty sure right now w, uh, AEW has way more people on their roster than WWE. I feel like it. How do you how do you help more people stay relevant on your roster when you only have one title for each area? Mm-hmm. You add another title. You don't need to add. You don't really need to add the, the, the one title that you need to add that would make sense would be a second mid card title. Mm-hmm. And you know we can. We can call it what it might be. It might be the lower mid-card title instead of the upper mid-card title. But at the end of the day, you're going to need another mid-card title. You're going to need it. And right now, the FTW title just feels like the BMF title 
from the UFC. It's a belt, but we're not recognizing the belt. Yeah. Like Masvidal fought for the belt, won the belt. Nothing's happened with that belt since. It's basically just a showpiece. Yeah. You need to take that FTW title, make it actually recognized, because you don't really need to change anything to the belt. The belt, it fits. It looks good. It's got a good name. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd keep it. I'd keep everything the same and just make it an official title and just say, this is for the first official FTW crowning or whatever. You know what I would do? What's that? I would have, I would have lethal pull strings. Because what he said is, I know you're not going to give me an answer tonight because you got to run it past Taz. And he's like, once daddy okays it, I mean Taz okays it, then you come back to me and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think if, because Jay Lethal made light that it wasn't accepted as an actual title, I think if Lethal pulls some strings and and Taz says no the first time he comes back and he says, listen, I can make the FTW title recognized by AEW as an official title. All you have to do is fight me for it. You fight me for it, you win, it's an official title. I beat mm-hmm. you for it, it's an official title. It becomes official as long as you sign the dotted line to fight before yeah and, and i feel then, like that's I, I think that's something tony khan will get behind i think that's a perfect thing yeah now it, you can, now you can run now all the useless tad storylines start to matter mm-hmm. because now there's a title concerning him that they have to constantly fight to keep or yeah, it, win it, back you know what i mean it no longer feels like a practice title right because that's basically what it feels like it feels like a practice title right and that's essentially you you worded it perfectly that's essentially what it is it's essentially the ufc's uh bmf title Mm -hmm. instead of a bad motherfucker it's just uh the ftw title so i think i think we're on to something i think if they book this right that'd be an amazing thing to do Oh yeah, I mean it, it's not rocket science. You just it, if it's booked the right way, it'll make sense and it'll matter, and you know people will get behind it. Uh, moving on, let's talk about. I still don't want to. It's a small thing. Let's talk about um, Adam's family reunion. Oh, that's why I coined this term. Um, that's that's the name of this sketch for me. The Adams Family Reunion. Um, so Adam is cutting the promo in the middle of the ring with the boys, Red Dragon. Um, mm-hmm. And the Young Bucks come out to question loyalty again because they have beef with Red Dragon because they don't know why they're here. And they're about to fight. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, throwing, they're throwing jabs at each other and Cole kind of brings them together to be like, hey, man, this is what we need. We need friendly competition, you know, 
we know we're cut above the rest and people like, you know, uh, the, the best friends and then the best friends come out and um, they get into a brawl and right before uh, Adam Cole kicks the hell out of uh, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander gets in between the kick. And while she's in between the kick, uh, Cole is kind of standing there waiting again. Without any music, down from the ramp comes um, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, and Britt Baker, uh, Cole steps out of the way. Britt Baker nails Chris Statlander. And um, now the Bucks, Red Dragon, and uh, Britt Baker are in the ring. Uh, and it's kind of this like happy moment where the five of them get together. And Cole sets up for his spot where um, they do the run and kiss and whatever. Um, and while he's setting up for it, the young bucks come in and uh, Britt Baker stops him and she does the kiss instead of the bucks. And it's very, you know, it's cute. It's whatever. You know, it's, yeah. It's a thing. Right? So while the Bucks uh, still aren't happy about Red Dragon, it was a cool spot to see Brett Baker and Adam Cole get together. So Adam kind of has all his people right now. They may not all be on the same side, but they're all there. Uh, and I think this does nothing but help Adam. And that, that's kind of it. Like, I just I just think it's pretty cool. I think they're still working everything out, but um, he's in a good position to succeed. And once they figure out everything they're going to do, it'll work out. Um, I think the biggest thing that happened in AEW this week is this MJF and CM Punk thing. Um and it's kind of more than MJF at this point. It's kind of like a three-way dance. Um, and I have another gem for you. Whenever they pull the trigger on Wardlow, it is going to be big. It's going to be like Batista versus Triple H big. It's going to be like the turn that everyone has been waiting for. Um, so on Dynamite this week, Wardlow fought CM Punk. And CM Punk won, but uh, <clears throat> not in the way that everyone would think. They didn't have an, a very even battle or even an uphill battle. Wardlow kicked his ass. All match, all match. Power bomb after power bomb after power bomb after power bomb after mm -hmm. power bomb. Then he went to pen him, and MJF stopped the pen. Said, "Give him some more power bombs." Okay, Punk is gonna reverse one of these power bombs, and he's gonna win. Yeah, no, he still gets power bombs. 
and power bomb and power bomb. Then he goes to the pen and begin. He's like, no, you know what? Even better. Power he's punk rolls out the ring, tells the ref he can't continue. Before the ref calls for the bell, MJF dusts off a table, says, put him through the table. Puts punk through the table. They wait for the 10 count. Punk makes the 10 count. He power bombs him again. Because MJF told him to. Yeah. Goes power bomb him again. <laughs> and to the point where um, out of nowhere, Punk finally finds it in himself to find a place to do a roll-up and take the victory. And the MJF is pissed, but not at himself, at Wardlow. Yeah. Somehow, this is Wardlow's fault. Yeah, they're they're definitely uh they're definitely teasing that Wardlow turn sooner or later. So he starts poking Wardlow in the chest. I told you to do the what am I paying you for? Blah blah blah. And Wardlow grabs his hand, squeezes it, turns it, and right before that turn happens and the building is exploding, Sean Spears comes down, mm-hmm. the chairman of the board, splits him up. Calms Wardlow down, takes him to the back. It's not yet, not tonight. Mm-hmm. So later on Dynamite, Sean Spears comes out to throw hands with one of our former wrestlers of the pod, Andrew Everett. Shout out to him making his debut. Mm-hmm. And I've seen probably one of the best Sean Spears performances on the mic that I have ever seen. So this was carefully calculated. They did not have a very long match at all. Just long enough for Andrew Everett to pull something off that, you know, would pop the crowd. Then heads up to the top rope and gets reversed into C4, the, uh, Sean Spears finisher. And Sean knows exactly what he's doing. Kid only got like maybe two, three minutes of action and then boom, hit with the finish. The place is roaring in booze and Sean feels it all. He's like, yep. Oh, sorry. Soak it in. Ruined your guy's big moment. (laughs) Then leans back and gets that easy one, two, three, barely on Andrew. Oh, so much heat. Very mm-hmm. nice. Very nice heel work. Uh, then grabs the mic, doesn't address him at all, totally goes to CM Punk. And tells him, uh, he just cuts like one of the best Sean Spears promos I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, uh, you've been gone seven years. Seven years is too long. Said in this business, it's easy. Like there's anybody that's been the underdog, it's me, not you. I've fought through the you'll never make it, this will never work. I've been cut for promotion, told no time after time. I've been here working. I've been the best kept secret. I've been one of the best technical professional wrestlers ever. He was like, I don't think you understand who I am. He said, I'm the guy 
Max sends to send the message. I'm the guy you never see coming and I don't quit. He said, you're a fraud and I'm gonna expose you. It was a very good promo. He said, um, he said, uh, I don't hold back. I don't quit. I don't play by the rules. I don't, I don't respect the line. And I honestly, I don't even know where the line is until I cross it. He's like, when we get in the ring next week, you're not getting in the ring with somebody that has only had a few years of experience that it only has a few moves to his name. And in the back of in the background, you see Wardlow. They pivot the camera just enough so you can see Wardlow kind of like poking his head. Yeah. Like, are you serious right now? In the mm-hmm. back, but Sean Spears, he's he's an expert heel. Because he, he just keeps going. He made the comment. You see Wardlow when the camera pivots. And he keeps talking. Focus back on me. It's just good camera work. Uh, and he finishes his promo. Does the mic flip. Theme song starts right on cue after the mic flip. And leave. To perfect heel promo. Perfect heel segment. I'm a knockoff the guy that's making his debut that everybody's excited about. Then I'm gonna cut a promo, and I'm gonna take a jab at the guy. <laughs> I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna build story in the back while I'm cutting this promo on him. Exactly. It's just. It was just excellent. It was just excellent. So Sean Spears has still got it, and now I'm very hype about the Sean Spears CM Punk match because it's kind of he. Sean Spears has kind of cemented his role as an enforcer now, rather than just uh, another just guy. some guy. In the pentacle, yeah, yeah, and he's also telling more than one story in the process. He's not just telling exactly. his story; he's telling Punk and War. He's telling Punk's story. He's telling Wardlow's and MJF's. He's not just doing this for himself. He, this benefits more than just Sean Spears. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just great. It's just a great promo. Like he took you to school on that. And then I think the thing to end on uh, for. AEW before we get to these shout outs is the debut of Brody King Woo. in the middle of uh, Malachi Black kind of starting too many views to keep up with Yeah, um, they all end up jumping him and he starts laughing like, like the Joker or something mm-hmm. and they stop fighting and he's laying on the ground, holding himself, laughing, counting how many people are in the ring, almost as like a count off. Mm-hmm. It was one, two, three. Then the lights cut out. And when the lights come back on, they're all in one corner. Malachi's in another corner. And then the middle of the ring is Brody King. He looks over at Malachi. And then he starts going off on everybody else. That House of Black, boy. Woo. So the new House of Black is uh, Malachi and Brody King. I'm here for it. I'm here for I'm it. I'm here for it. That, that is just a beautiful sounding force right there with Malachi mm-hmm. and Brody King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool, man. This is his first time. I think it's his first time at AEW. Um, and he's been a big name uh, outside of the majors for a minute. So mm-hmm. 
for him to finally show up and be uh, right next to Malachi. Um, it's interesting to see Malachi in the tag division again, but regardless, like they're gonna be they're gonna be a force. They they were in there getting the pop like they were the brothers of destruction. Yeah, so this it's gonna be really cool. I could definitely see them as tag team champs in, in the in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on top of the fact that Jurassic Express are the champs now. Mm-hmm. Not to say the Jurassic Express is you know not yeah, a not, high not level the, tag team. Yeah, it's it's not that at all. It's just you you could see House of Black taking the titles from them fairly yeah. fairly easily. Yeah. So so it's good to see that debut. They look amazing standing next to each other. Um, just two really dark forces. Like I said, they they were getting a pop like they were brothers of destruction. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, were just they definitely were. So it's gonna be really cool to see what they do. It's quite an exciting uh, from debut. here on out. Quite an exciting mm-hmm. debut. Um, but with that, man, I think we've talked about everything there is to talk about for this week. Um, I think we're ready for the the shout outs, unless you have anything else to add. Um, no, we can jump right into these shout outs. Um, so who would take the realms first here? Would it be me or you? I, I want you to go first because um, I feel like I know one of the people you're going to shout out. So I have to. Make sure you knock them off, and then if you don't, then I'll, I'll pick it up. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to shout out uh, Ringside Mayhem Podcast. They started following us on YouTube and Instagram, and they've been showing us. And Twitter. Yeah, uh, they got us that on Twitter, too. All right, well, yeah. Ringside Mayhem Podcast. Definitely got to go check them out. Dirty Heels Podcast, as always. Uh, the Wrestling Fanatics fam, you got Dita Toy Hunter, Fetch Frequency, uh, Joey Reckless, Fritzy, AJ the Collecting Legend, uh, Bobby Rassels over there, All About Wrestling Podcast, and also uh, Johnny Funko and D of a Kind from the Funko Friends Podcast. We were just, I was just on their show uh, this past Saturday. So mm-hmm. if you want to check that out, you can go to YouTube and type in Johnny Funko and his newest episode will be up there for you guys to check out. Um, but that's all my shout outs this week. Stevie Jobber, I'm gonna shoot it right on over to you. All right, man. Uh, my Twitter shout outs for this week. Oh, before I start my Twitter shout outs, as always, Doghouse Gaming for all your retro gaming needs. Oh, man. Um, I feel like it's a catchphrase at this point. Yeah, right. Um, Doghouse Gaming for all your retro gaming needs. Please, please, please. If you love gaming, if you love retro gaming, if you still want those old systems, if you're looking for those old games, um, go to Facebook and look up Doghouse Gaming. Uh, It has their address. Um, You can message them. They're very fast in responses. uh, And they're always getting new stuff, always posting their new stuff, their new inventory, some old games, some new games. Um, and there's guys flying down the block to get stuff that they post up uh, every day. So, uh, Doghouse Gaming for all your retro gaming needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to shout out Wrestling Utopia, uh, who recently followed us on Instagram. Um, shout out to them. Shout out to Please Rewind Your Tapes podcast. Shout out to Just in Time Two Eleven. 
um, on Twitter, who's been like a faithful, faithful fan. I always see him doing these uh, whenever they do the the um, packs of uh, podcast shout outs. We're always in there and we're forever grateful for that. So shout out to Justin Time, uh, 211 on Twitter. And I think that wraps it up for me. All right, guys. Well, that was the episode for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know how to get a hold of us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You can find us on the dangerousjobberswebsite.com. You can stay up to date on all the dope stuff that we're dropping. Um, and if you got any questions, comments, concerns, you know to hit us up and we'll get back to you because we love interacting with you guys. Uh, but that's it for this week. Y'all have a good one. Stay up. Stay blessed. And as always, stay dangerous. Frank, Jeff Hart.